So that's Ruth chapter 4 and the whole chapter, and this is God's Word. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there, just as the garden redeemer he had mentioned came along. Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took ten of the elders of the town and said, sit here, and they did so. Then he said to the garden redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me so I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. I will redeem it, he said. Then Boaz said, On the day you buy it by the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this the guardian redeemer said, Then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Now in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, Buy it yourself, and he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, Today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Malon. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Malon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead and with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today you are witnesses. Then the elders and all the people at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman. May your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. This then is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Amimadab, Amimadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, Boaz the father of Obed, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you that we've been able to look at the book of Ruth together 
Father, as we look at this final chapter together as your church cornerstone, Father, we pray that you would be with us. We pray that your Holy Spirit would be working powerfully through your preached word. And Father, I pray, be with me, your servant. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, many of us would be familiar with the story of Cinderella. Uh, Cinderella came from a wealthy estate. She had parents who loved her and she lived a pleasant life. But what happens to Cinderella? Well, tragically, her mother dies. Grieved, her father remarries, but not to a wonderful, kind woman, but a woman who was wicked, who is harsh. And Cinderella's misfortune doesn't stop there. The story goes on that Cinderella's father tragically dies. And with his death, poor Cinderella is no longer treated or seen as a noble's daughter, but rather as a poor, destitute housemaid. Uh, Cinderella has been dealt an unfortunate hand. However, as the story continues, her situation changes towards the end. At the end of the story, uh, Cinderella is given a home. She is taken to a, from a place of destitution to a place where she can rest. Uh, the book of Ruth has many themes that remind us of the Cinderella story. In many ways, this book, which we, are, which we have been looking at, is a rags-to-riches story. It is a Cinderella story. The book of Ruth is a Cinderella story that warms the cockles of our hearts. But I want to ask, I want to ask you, in this book, the book of Ruth, who is Cinderella? Uh, many of us immediately think of Ruth. And yes, Ruth is definitely a Cinderella type. Here in this book, she has a rags-to-riches story. However, I want to make the case that the real Cinderella, the real Cinderella in this book is Naomi. The book starts and ends with Naomi. Our friends, let's re-familiarize ourselves with what has happened to Naomi throughout this book. We meet her and she is a, she is a wife and she is a mother. She has hope and she has a future, but then devastatingly, her sin and the sin of her family causes her to lose everything. After 10 years living in the land of Moab, she returns to Bethlehem and she returns empty. She is now a widow and she who went away full has returned empty. She says to everyone, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, for my life is now bitter. As she is the real Cinderella here in our story. And so we ask the question, we ask the question, will this Cinderella, will this Naomi go from rags to riches? In chapter 4, we see the plot changing. We see how Naomi's misfortunes reverse. And she who once considered herself dead is given life, is given renewal. That through a Redeemer, life is given to one considered dead. Today, we're going to look at the following three points together. Point number one, redeeming the estate of Elimelech. Point number two, Ruth, a blessing worth seven sons. And point number three, renewal and life given to Naomi. 
renewal and life given to Naomi. Let's have a look at that first point. Point number one, redeeming the estate of Elimelech. At the end of chapter 3, Boaz has pledged that he will ensure that Naomi and Ruth will be redeemed. He sends Ruth back home with six measures of barley to give to Naomi, and he himself heads into town. In chapter 4, verse 1, we read these words. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there, just as the guy and the redeemer he had mentioned came along. Boaz said, come over here my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. I find it interesting. I find it interesting, don't you? That the day that Boaz goes to the town gate, and at that precise moment, the guardian redeemer which he spoke about, who is a closer redeemer than he himself, just happens to get there at the same time. And perhaps you've had moments like this also. I know I have, where I felt as if things just fell into place, where things just felt more than just a coincidence, but it felt that rather that God was at work through those circumstances. And it seems that God is at work here, that he is perhaps seeking to make good the oath that Boaz has made to Ruth, that God himself is ensuring that the pains of Ruth and Naomi will not last any longer than it needs to, that this day, Today, these two women will finally have rest. And we notice, don't we, that Boaz, as he walks to the town gate, he means business. We are told that he took ten elders with him. Uh, these elders were to serve as judges or witnesses for any cases that were made um, in that town. And Boaz sets the scene for um, the guardian redeemer that he meets. He says to him, Naomi, who came back from Moab, is selling a piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of thee seated here, in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me so I will know. For no one has a right to do it except you, and I am next in line. Uh, without any hesitation, this man before Boaz says, I will redeem it. Oh, that was a bit quick, wasn't it? Uh, this redeemer says he will redeem it almost without any hesitation. Without thinking perhaps the matter through, he just says, I will redeem it. Uh, have you ever done a deal that sounded too good to be true? That because it sounded so good, you didn't weigh up all the costs? You didn't think about the repercussions, what the repercussions would be if you took this deal? Uh, in one of the Shrek movies, uh, Shrek is missing his old life as an ogre. And in that moment of weakness, Rumpelstiltskin swindles him into taking a deal that would change his life for the worse. And they say if it sounds too good to be true, well, it probably is. Shrek knew that the deal before him came with certain conditions. And while he knew there was a catch, the desires of the deal were too powerful. And he was swayed into taking the deal before he knew what he was getting into. 
Uh, Shrek chose ignorance rather than being informed. Uh, Boaz, though, is a lot kinder than Rumpelstiltskin is to Shrek. Uh, he tells the guardian redeemer beforehand that the estate comes with certain conditions and what exactly the cost would be if he redeems the property of Elimelech. Look what Boaz says. On the day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. What does this mean exactly for a redeemer to take Ruth as his wife? Well, it will mean that the heir of both him and Ruth would be the legal heir of Elimelech's estate. That when this child grew up, when he became man, he would be the owner of the estate. He would be Elimelech's heir. This was a part of Jewish law, that if a husband died without producing any children, a close relative would take upon himself the responsibility of marrying the widow and producing an heir for the estate. Uh, this was to ensure that a family's name would not die out. But wait, but wait, this redeemed foresees the danger, the danger the marriage with Ruth would do to his own household, would do to his own estate. To redeem Naomi would mean to marry Ruth, but it would mean watering, his, watering down his own estate, watering down his own property. Any other children that he and Ruth would have would have claimed to his property, his household, not Elimelech's. He foresees the danger and he says to Boaz, you redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Uh, this man was afraid that if he married Ruth, his name might be forgotten. He would have a diminished legacy to give to his own children. His name might be forgotten. But you know what's ironic? You know what's ironic is that in not redeeming Naomi, he has endured that he will have no legacy, that he will have no name. Are we noticed, don't we, that the author of the book sought fit not to give this redeemer a name? Uh, he is referred to as the guardian redeemer. Boaz just calls him friend. Uh, this man is an insignificant character in a chapter that is filled with names, the genealogy of David. This Redeemer hasn't got one. He hasn't got a name. And as quickly as this man enters the story, he leaves the story. At verse 9 and 10, Boaz says this, Today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Malon. I have acquired also Ruth the Moabite, Malon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today you are witnesses. Aboaz makes good his pledge to, Naomi, to Ruth. He will redeem Naomi, and this day he will marry Ruth. And through their union, Ruth will provide a child for their estate. Throughout this whole story, Ruth has really been a silver lining. She has been a silver lining in the midst of tragedy. When we think of what Naomi has endured, she has endured much. She has endured death. She has endured poverty. But through it all, through it all, she has had Ruth. Ruth has been with her. 
Ruth has looked after her. Ruth has been a blessing to her and she continues to be a blessing to her. And this leads us to our second point. Point two, Ruth, a blessing worth seven sons. Have a look now at verse 11. Verse 11, then the elders and all the people at the gate said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. Our friends, do we notice? Do we notice that Ruth is no longer a stranger and a foreigner now? As she is no longer Ruth the Moabite, she is now being welcomed into this family and is now being seen as a full Israelite. She is now the wife of Boaz. And the elders petitioned before the Lord that she would be like Rachel and Leah. Uh, Rachel and Leah are the two wives of Jacob. And Jacob is the father of the twelve tribes of Israel. And through these two women, Rachel and Leah, twelve sons were given to Jacob. What the elders are saying here as they petition before the Lord, they're praying that this woman whom you marry, they're, pr- they're petitioning with the Lord that she would have lots of babies. Large families, friends, were a blessing in Israel. It was encouraged to have lots of children. Uh, it was a couple of weeks ago, and I went to a friend's birthday party. And during the day, I met a bunch of new faces. And I was asked at one point if I had a family, if I had any kids. And I said, yes, I'm married and I have three children. And as I said this, there was almost a shocked expression that a family of three was a large family. Uh, Little did they know that my wife Lauren came from a family of ten, but that's another story. (laughs) Uh, But that shocked expression, that shocked expression says something, doesn't it? It says that children today are perhaps not considered a blessing as they once were. Large families are seen as a hindrance rather than a blessing. Uh, Did you know that in England, that if you have more than two children, you will lose some of your entitlements? To have more than two children is seen as too many. But children, children should never be seen as a hindrance or a nuisance. They are a blessing. They are a joy. My daughter's name, Abigail, actually means a father's joy. Our friends, children are a blessing. Christians know this. And Israel knew this. And the elders are praying to the Lord that Ruth would have lots of children. And the elders petitioned the Lord that through their children, through Boaz and Ruth's children, may the name of Boaz be made famous. May he have high standing in Bethlehem. And the Lord grants this. Boaz is certainly blessed. He is certainly made famous. Boaz throughout this book is seen as one who points us towards the person and work of Christ. In this book, he is a man that is held with honor and integrity. And it's even his name, surprisingly, that is given honor in the genealogy of David. But he's also given honor in the genealogy of Jesus. It's Boaz's name that is mentioned, not Elimelech's. As we turn to the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew, it doesn't say Elimelech, the father of Obed. Now, what does it say? 
It says, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. From all the clans of prayers whom Tamar bore to Judah, Ruth has provided offspring, which has given this family standing. It is from her womb which led to the birth of King David. It was from her womb which would lead to the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Through this marriage, friends, with Ruth, Boaz is blessed. But it's also in these verses that Ruth isn't just a blessing to Boaz, as she is first and foremost a blessing to Naomi. Look now with me at verses 13 to 15. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. At Ruth, Ruth has been a real gem. She has been a real blessing. Through her marriage with Boaz, she has conceived a son. And the women of this town say a blessing for Naomi. They also praise Ruth, saying that this daughter of yours is better than seven sons. To have seven sons would cast out all fears and worries for a family. Seven sons would ensure that a family's name would be preserved. That when a husband would eventually die, his widow would be looked after in her old age by her sons. And Ruth, she has done this role single-handedly. Throughout Naomi's widowhood, Ruth has not left her. Ruth has provided her by going out into those fields and gleaning. Ruth has ensured that through her marriage with Boaz, a son would be given and that would provide for Naomi in her old age. That Naomi would be redeemed. Ruth has done the role of seven sons. And this really paints a beautiful picture, doesn't it? Of a, of a child looking after their parents in their old age. Uh, something that is encouraged likewise in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul says this in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 3 to 8. Let me read that for us. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 3 to 8. Paul says, Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn first of all to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. The widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. But the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. Give the people these instructions so that no one may be open to blame. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Uh, to those here in the church who are looking after elderly parents, an encouragement to you. You are doing a noble thing in looking after them. Ruth has been there to look after Naomi. And the greatest thing Ruth has done is given Naomi a child one who will look after her in her old age. 
Through this child, Naomi will have a future. Naomi is given life. And this leads us to our third point. Point three, renewal and life given to Naomi. Looking now at verse 16 and 17. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Uh, This child is Naomi's son. It doesn't say the son of Ruth and Boaz. It's Naomi's. And with this son comes renewal. With this son comes life. Uh, Verse 15 says that this child will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. Uh, Do you remember how Naomi described herself in chapter 1? And when she returned to Bethlehem, she considered herself filled with misfortune. She considered herself as one who has a bitter life. In chapter 1, verse 8, she even groups herself among the dead. John Yeo says this, In a subtle yet perceptible manner, Naomi declared that with no husband and no sons, she was as good as dead. Without a man in her life, She has no hope and no future. She considered herself as one who who is living, yet, yet among the dead. But today, this day, she has a child. She has a future. It is in this moment our Cinderella has been taken from a destitute life of a widow to a mother of a child who will provide for her and will produce a grandchild named David. Uh, Naomi, she has a home. She has rest. She has a future. She has been given renewal. She has been given life. She who once considered herself dead is now among the living. She has been given life. And the story of what a redeemer does for Naomi in giving her life to one who was considered dead is not just her story, friends, but it also points forward to our story. For our story also speaks of a child being born. And with this child, he came to give life. Uh, The Christmas story is about Jesus being born. How God came and dwelt among his people. Emmanuel, God with us. That this Jesus would live the sinless life that we could not. And then he would die the death that was meant for us, his people. That through his death, through his resurrection, Jesus came to redeem a people who were once considered dead. Let me reread for us our New Testament passage from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 to 10, where Paul says, As for you, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace You have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. 
in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressing his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. What this child did for Naomi is he gave her life. He gave her a future. That is what Jesus does for us. In Jesus, we have been given life. Through his death and through his resurrection, he has given us new life. And not only new life, but he has also secured for us, dear friends, eternal life. While we were dead in sins and in trespasses, while we lived in darkness, Christ came. And he came to give us life. What Jesus has done for the Christian is that he has taken them from a life of destitution, a life of slavery, and he has given to them royal robes. Those who are God's children await them, the inheritance secured for them through the work of Jesus. And the Christian message is a Cinderella story where Christ takes the poor, takes the destitute, and gives them a home gives them new life, gives them a future. Christian, in the midst of the misfortunes, in the midst of the misfortunes of life, when things are looking bitter, we are encouraged to turn our gaze upward, to look to Christ, to come to Him, to come to the One who has given you life and renewal. He who gave you life, who took you from the grave and breathed life into your dry old bones, has promised by His Spirit not to leave you or forsake you. So come to Jesus. Keep finding your rest in Him. Keep coming to Him in the midst of the trials of life. And to the one who has not come to that place yet of trusting in Jesus, but would like to know more of what it means to have life, what it means to have renewal, I invite you to read one of the four Gospels. In a couple of weeks, we will celebrate Christmas. And every Christmas, the church stops and remembers how Jesus, the second person of the Godhead, came and dwelt among his people. It's a story of a child who came to give life to those who were once considered dead. Why not read for yourself the story of what Jesus has done for a people who were once considered dead? And if you are wondering which gospel to start reading, well, why not read the gospel of John? In the gospel of John, we find that well-known and beloved verse, for God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus came to give renewal and life to those who were once considered dead. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you. We thank you and give you praise for what you have done in the midst of your people. Lord, that you had sent your, your Son to redeem a people who were once considered dead. Oh Lord Jesus, we thank you for how you came. You came as a baby. You lived life. You grew up. You lived a life, the sinless life that we could not. And then you died a death that was meant for your people. Father, we thank you 
for what Jesus has done in giving us life through our Lord and Saviour Jesus. We give you thanks and praise for this. Father, we pray that in the midst of hardships, in the midst of hard times that are before us, that we will continue to look to Him, look to our Lord and Saviour Jesus, that we will continue to find rest and hope in Him. And Father, we pray, Lord, for those that we know that don't know You, Our Father, we pray that as we gather with them during the Christmas season, Lord, that we might say a word to them. Lord, that we might be able to speak of this Christmas message of how a child came to redeem a people, to give them life, to breathe life into dry old bones. Father, we pray also for those in our midst that don't know this message yet, and we pray that they may come to this knowledge soon. Father, we thank you and praise you for who Jesus is and what he has done for his people. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you, musicians. Okay, we're going to sing about this uh, great rescue mission uh, which God has carried out for us by singing You Rescued Us to finish. So please stand and join us. Thank you. 
Let us go now with this benediction from Ephesians 3, 20 to 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, 